Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami. Big Dave is back, man. I'm excited to be here with you. And I can't, I just can't wait to talk to the man with the plan for digital everything in the association space today. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens, our friend, our, our my fellow entrepreneur, specifically in the association space, my fellow member of Entrepreneurs Organization, one of our favorite associations out there. Dan, welcome. Thank you, guys. Really great to be with both of you. Dave, you know what I'm most excited today? Um, you and I, you and I argue and are contrary, contrary to this podcast it? so much that now we finally have a, somebody with a reasonable set of mind that might break the tie today, <laughs> might choose a side. Yeah, there's there's usually more than two sides to every story. That's well, what my okay. first two wives said. Okay, <laughs> now now here we go. Now so, we're making it personal. <laughs> here's here's I'd like to, if you don't mind, Tom, I'd like to introduce Dan. Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So Dan um, is, I feel a little bit of a camaraderie with you, Dan. And that is because um, being an entrepreneur in the association space, I first started um, a company called Peach New Media, which was a Freestone, our our flagship product was Freestone, a learning management system. And we started that in 2001. Now, you've been in this business for a long, long time at Worker B TV. That's that's your company Worker B TV. You're 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 the leader in the association space when it comes to driving video and how associations should utilize video for their education and marketing and so on. Um but I I, I want to start with this cuz I'm very curious to hear your perspective of the evolution of of online learning like to put it into one basic category right so we started out when people were still sending out vhs cds uh, or dvds um at sometimes tapes even and for a little while we joked about people still sending it out and then it didn't stop it, it actually was no, no longer a joke in 2010 when people were still sending out dvds so, but we started this in 2001, we rode the wave, and then in 2014, we sold the business, and there was a lot of competition in the space in terms of, you look at all the LMS vendors out there and all the all the competition outside of the space, like YouTube and Facebook, and even all the social media platforms where you can learn by searching for a certain function. So, Dan, I'm curious to hear how you've seen, what, when did you start Worker B? 2007. 2007. So you started right in the middle of the way. For some reason, I thought I was way earlier than that. Uh, and you're a you're a, a many time entrepreneur. You mm-hmm. sold a business, a big business, prior to that, and then you started Worker B. So let's start there. What inspired you in 2007 to start Worker B? It was interesting. I had sold my first business and taken a year off, and uh, you know, which was fun. We were having fun at the lake and barbecue and then all of a sudden my kids had to go back to school and my buddies went back to the office and I came home and my wife didn't like me hanging around the house that much so I I figured I better find a new gig and a friend of mine was really getting into video and he said maybe you should look at this video thing and at the same time one of the real popular books was talking about all the different niches there were and he said you know maybe you should educate with video, all of these niches. And I went, well, I don't know all of these industries. But what occurred to me is if I created a business model that had a, a, 
a delivery platform as well as the ability to create uh, content, we could educate the workers of the world by getting in behind either publishers, whether they be trade magazines, whether they be associations. And we looked at the market and went, if we allowed them to monetize that content, then this content would be free and we'd be a profit center for these organizations because no one wants to grow a cost center. And so that was kind of the impetus of the idea. And back in 2007, I went, you know, trade magazines have got sales teams more than the average association. Maybe I should pick that. And I picked that route. <laughs> and then 2008 hit. <laughs> and my biggest customers were chapter 11. And I decided, you know what, I think we better put the brakes on and look, relook that at that decision. And that's when we looked at associations, dropped the trade magazine model, they were on fire, and shifted back into the association space. And we've never looked back since. And so our what's fun about our business is we get to help them bring their content to life that fits into three buckets, inform, educate, and inspire. So when you talk about an LMS, Dave, you're talking about the educate piece, but there's also the, the need to inform. Could be advocacy, could be announcements, could be whatever. And then finally, the need to inspire. How do we inspire our members? Future forward content, peer-to-peer uh, -peer content, things that get them to go, I want to do that. And so our model is trying to find how we can create one platform and one partnership that clicks all three. As you know, working with associations, they often become uh, departmental and they forget about, oh, I only need to look after membership or I only need to look after learning or I only need to look after events. But in reality, members don't care about departments, they care about experience. And so how do we unify when the whole world has done that, you know, Facebook, you don't go to Facebook and go, I think I'm going to go look at the picture section. <laughs> I'm going to go look at the video section. You go to one place in Facebook or Instagram or Netflix or wherever to find the content. And that's and as opposed to webinars are by date and videos on YouTube and my LMS uh, has my learning content and my other stuff is over here. And good luck, member. You go find it. And so that is where we've created this noise and this difficulty of engaging our members digitally. And in order to stay relevant now through the pandemic, digital has become the number one way associations touch a member. So, Tom, I mean, uh, uh, what's your name again? Dan? Yeah, that's my name. Hey, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, so Worker Bee is a video company, though. Like what you're talking about, it, it almost sounds to me like you're saying, you know, associations need to come at this from a content strategy perspective. So if you're coming to them saying, look, video needs to be a huge component of this, who's driving their content strategy to partner with somebody? Do you guys take on that responsibility or do you leave it to the association to really manage the content strategy? It, it depends on the client. We have the ability to take it over for our clients that go, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do or I need help with something to do. I don't have capacity. But we have other clients who go, I, I have this capability and I just need you for your platform or your video services or your event services or whatever. But what's changed in publishing is 
that when you start with a video centric mindset, like if you film, you know, a member as an example, let's say you're doing a member profile on a member and you record them. Well, then you can take that video and make a video. You can take it and make a social media version. You can take the audio and make a podcast version. You can transcribe the audio and make an article. And then you can go to your members and go, here's the content. Do you want to read, watch, or listen? Yeah, you can't do that the other way. They can't write a blog and say, we should turn this into a video. You're right. That's, exactly. that's interesting. And so you're so saying that, the video is at the top of the food chain when it comes to, <laughs> to content. Yeah. Oh, that's compelling. Thing, I, I can't the, argue that, actually. The other thing that's really happened a lot is that, you know, the easy problems have been solved. Most of the challenges that we all have today require some degree of technology or innovation to solve them. And so at the same time, the noise, we're, we're bombarded with information. And so what videos allow people to do is to explain these complex topics in a short period of time so that members can get what they need quickly and get in and out, even on their smartphone. And that's that that has been a huge driver in why video has become the preferred medium of choice for your members. But for a lot of associations, they still find it difficult to produce a, a, a significant amount of video and so what we're trying to do is make it easy for them. How do you, how do you, have, how do you produce video in volume? How do you make enough money on it the way you used to on your magazine so you can produce your magazine in volume? It's just taking those same principles and bringing it to a modern medium. So Dan, you're, you're proposing, somehow I'm actually dominating this conversation. I don't know how Tom has not gotten in yet. but I'm the, waiting. You're, are you though? Like that's, that'd be a first, Tom. That would be a first. See, see what this is like, Dan. We got to fight for position. I seem to be winning. I'm not sure. He's mad because the last, the last podcast, yes. I totally dominated. Oh my god, so, <laughs> Dan. So and then I will hand it over to Tom actually because I, I don't mean to to dominate the call. But uh, does the world need more content? I mean, you look at YouTube, and I feel like between YouTube and Google search. I could pretty much find an answer to anything I want to know. You're proposing association create more content when it seems to me what we need is a better way to find the content we want. Um, I'll, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Dave, in that, um, you know, the content that is published, because everyone's a publisher on YouTube, on TikTok, on on social. Yeah, tons uh, of it. And, and, but none of it is vetted and so it is everyone's opinion there is an opportunity for associations to be that vetted content expert pick their spot there's a lot of competition now because of what you just described right you masterminds and all of these different places you can go for mm -hmm. content so, so an association really has to look and say you know what what can i be the best of the world on what can i as an association have where it's a trusted vetted content that will help that member succeed in their career or in their positions. And that's where you got to narrow the focus down to where can, where should I play and, and then become that trusted source, make sure that the content is, has, you know, it's, it's been vetted from all sides so that when it comes out, it's clean. 
as opposed to right what we see with Fox and CNN and that's just the content you, you said it I want as opposed to what I need. So I'm going to give you an example. So two two association execs are up for getting hired by an association, and one walks in and says, "My name is Tom Morrison, comma." I watch 400 hours of YouTube videos. And the other one is I'm Tom Morrison, CAE, who gets the job. And I think that's what Dan's alluding to is that, and I think associations have to, one, like I like what you said, Dan, you have to pick your space um, because associations have the, the model to be the expert and the um, utility behind what's marketable in the association space. We, we did that. We created certificate programs just by adding, putting courses together, and saying this is the heat treat specialist program, or this is the furnace operator program. And so you take those courses and you get those three letters after your name and it gives people marketability in the community to be hired. Um, and I think one of the things associations really have to, and you tell me what your thoughts on this, Dan, but being, being with associations at so many different levels, but I think associations need to pick where can we, because we're in this, this pan, this um, not pandemic, we're in this uh, labor shortage. So how do we use video to make us more efficient and minimize the transactional information that we go back and forth with and make it where members. So I, I was, we were talking before we got on here about just simply a video on your website that really communicates the value. Well, 400 people all of a sudden are interested in your association and they're all calling your office. Wouldn't it be better to have them call a, or go to the website and simply watch a two minute video that really hits in the why you need to join. And I even know, I mean, when you look at even giving volunteers, getting them to recruit members, volunteers, so a lot, in a lot of cases, when I, my experience is they don't communicate the big picture and the real driving force of why you should be a member. They communicate why they're a member. And that person they're talking to, that may not be their, their touching point. But if you've got a video in two to two and a half minutes that kind of touches all the big value propositions, one of those six things you communicate probably will resonate with 98% of the people that watch it. So I think that's what associations also, it's also about, it's, it's about generating revenue, but it's also about saving costs to not have to hire as many people to be a membership person or a communications person. You can use video to really leverage it so that you don't have, to, so I think um, associations need to brainstorm and write down, where are all the areas that we could use a video to communicate a message that keeps us from having to have as many people to communicate? I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, I mean, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like, you, you, you really said, what is your why? Right. And it, it's coming back to like, why, what, because I'm a, I'm a one Google search away from a lot of free content. Mm -hmm. So why should I become a member and pay for content? Like, so you better give me that why. And Tom, I've been on a lot of homepages of association websites where it takes me five minutes to find out what the acronym stands for, let alone what yes. their, what the why is i hate that <laughs> and and so you sit there and go like what so it's one thing to say well we help you know actuaries or we do this or we do that but exactly what do you do that and that that they should pay for right no different than why should i pay for a netflix subscription like there's got to be a reason to it and it's usually because there's a series or a big box or something on there but that's my why and so it, I think we all have to sell it better. Right. And obviously video is just an easy way of communicating that, but, but all the way through, you know, and it's not everyone has accredited or continued ed learning. Some of our stickiest and highest educational um, associations we work with 
don't have accreditation, but you should see the engagement they have. Right. Because they are dripping content out mm -hmm. on a regular basis and they've become the authority yeah. on that particular topic. And so by doing that, they become the authority, whether there's, so they, they make their money differently. They make their money off of membership dues and sponsorship advertising and exhibiting as opposed to making it off of their LMS because they don't have one. And so, whereas others can play both sides, what a great opportunity to be able to play both sides where you can use smaller whys to get to the bigger whys, Tom, like you right. Well, they, uh, go, I love what I try and I try to get through every podcast. To see how long does it take me to not say the word prop fuel, but, <laughs> but, but I made I made it about tw 12 minutes in, but you know, what I love about prop fuel that we use and many other associations do is it allows you to scale engagement in a way that, it'd take you four or five employees to do it if you're a larger association. And what I love about video is it helps you scale communications. Whereas you might have to have three or four people to say everything you want to your membership, three or four videos could scale it to where tens of thousands get to see it without one of those people being on staff. And so I think that's where associations in some sense are missing the boat is they're not really looking at how can video, whether content that drives education or recruitment, how do we use that to leverage and scale our communication message out so more people see it with not a lot of people on our team because there's no one to hire? And what happened a lot is because this happened relatively quickly, especially accelerated through the pandemic where digital became the way we all communicate. And so what happened, if you go back to, and I like to use the magazine as a comparison, when, when you had a magazine or if you still have one, the editor and that team owned the entire program. So mm -hmm. they they knew what the structure of the magazine was going to be. They had a content calendar for the entire year because otherwise they couldn't sell advertising and they needed the revenue. And they knew exactly what went on each page, whether it would be an ad, whether it be content or both. They controlled it all. And then we went digital. IT took the website, content took editorial, and sponsorship said, what am I left with? Well, maybe a banner ad here and there. And so all of a sudden, what was controlled by one group is now controlled by three groups, which means nobody's controlling it. And we went from really good engagement to really poor engagement. We went from really good revenue to really poor revenue. And we got in this, we got stuck saying, well, digital doesn't work, as opposed to going, no, 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 no. Why don't we just bring back the principles of giving control back to the people we're producing the content that aligns with the why. And that's really what we're trying to do is bring that control back so that on the platform, you can get, you can do those things. And if you need, you know, I, you guys know about our docu-series model with Jobs of Tomorrow. And what's interesting about that analogy is a magazine allows for third-party distribution through the post office. And, and if you produce a 10-minute video on your own, you can't give that to anybody else other than yourself, maybe YouTube or social media. But if you produce it in a 22-minute version that can fit on a 30-minute TV program, all of a sudden the Rokus and Tubis and Amazons in the world go, hang on a sec, maybe I should pick that up. So if part of your mission is awareness, mm -hmm. workforce, workforce development, DEI, and I need that additional reach, well, then, like my magazine, I should use formats that allow for third-party distribution. And so it's just 
thinking outside of that box a little bit and going, how can I leverage a medium when I'm straddling? Remember the old days when we had on our business cards, we had our fax, our telex, our first new email address, our phone number, right? And it was like we were straddling technologies so people had to have all four ways to touch us. So well, we're today yeah. straddling all of these uh, different demographics at an association where we need video, print, audio to straddle and maximize engagement across those different demographics. What's going through my mind right now is how many people listening in said, what is a fax? <laughs> <laughs> or a telex. Hey, hey Dan, we, 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 so I think we've made a compelling argument that video is a reasonable uh, place to start in terms of providing a value proposition. But I, I think um, the, then the question becomes, well, okay, so what video are we doing now? Tom and I both participated in this thing that you mentioned, this docu-series called uh, Jobs of Tomorrow. So perhaps you could explain, but give me a second. I want to explain what led us to this phone call. I think we both participated in this thing where we both received a video in a box, so to say, with your team and your team organized a studio set up where I'm in my house, you know, I get a, a lighting set up, some tripods, a couple uh, cameras show up, everything's super easy to set up. And then um, uh, I set up a call, probably lasted about 30 minutes where your your tech team is like looking around my house through my laptop saying, well, you know, how about that spot? That looks like a pretty good spot in front of the bookshelf. And then we set up the cameras and the lighting and stuff, and then it waits. It sits there for a day or two until you have your scheduled interview. Really, really cool process. So then your team interviews a group of people and then they compile it into this docu-series. The one Tom and I are participating in separately is called Jobs of Tomorrow. So can you explain like this thing, Jobs of Tomorrow, and then give some other examples of content that you're doing with associations? My hope is that we can spark ideas for uh, people listening to this as to what they could bring to their association. By the way, before before Dan answers, by the way, you, you, you think they're going to ask you maybe two or three questions to get the conversation going. And I got their list of 20 questions and all like big questions that actually associations could be asking themselves. So it's a very well thought out set of questions to help you unpack the content. So hats off to your team, Dan, for doing that. Oh, thank you. And so we have 18 of these little hard cases <clears throat> floating around the U.S. with two iPhones in them, special lenses, microphones that we drop ship to what you just described and then send lighting. And Tom's holding his kid up because FedEx is about to pick it up and move it on to its next journey. But this is an opportunity to use technology to lower the time frame and the cost of filming. So we call it, it's called virtual videographer and it allows us to film remotely through an iPhone. So we think about Again, members love learning from who doesn't know an association where members don't love learning from other members. So a real example, good example is just, you know, member, uh, member interviews, member, you know, peer to peer, not just testimonials, but true member stories. And a lot of people go, well, I, unless I do it at the trade show, when am I going to see my members? So use technology to overcome the fact that no one has to hop on an airplane. There's no cost involved. The, the cost gets shrunk down to where you can film really affordably and capture rich content in these rich interview experiences. 
So we uh, deployed that just before the pandemic and during the pandemic. That's how we filmed. Nobody wanted a camera person in their house. And then that led us to our Jobs of Tomorrow docuseries because we looked at our associations and said, all of us need to help every member with their career in some form. If we help that member with their career, we're sticky. Why would they ever leave us, right? And so... We wanted to create a, a docu-series model where every association that participates could go, this is what this, these jobs used to be. This is what the jobs are today. And this is what they're going to look like tomorrow. And why and how are they changing? Is it due to demographics? Is it due to societal pressure like pollution or whatever? What are the drivers of change, technology and so forth? And, and this creates some really interesting content and then we spin it through the mindset of, well, if we start with video, we can make audio. If we start with audio, we can make text. If we start with long form, we can make short form. And we can make social. And we can create an entire campaign. What I was, what I learned through this process is we're going to do this for existing members. But because of everyone is dying to fill jobs for their communities and, and get more people attracted into their profession or industry, the associations are going, yeah, but I, I really want that docu-series with me in it on Roku and Tubi and Amazon because I need to attract young people and I don't have a way of doing it. And I need them to know that this is a, these are, there's really rich careers in our marketplace. And so we've tried to create a model now where we can go, well, how do we kill two birds with one stone? And that's where Jobs of Tomorrow is rolling out and our, our actually first season of it launches in November. And, um, uh, and we have three associations that participated and all three of them have signed up for next year because they love, and they haven't even seen their, their, it hasn't even hit the, the street yet, but just by going through the experience you guys have gone through and seeing the first drafts, they're all excited about, Hey, this isn't a one-time thing. Just like my magazine was not a one-time thing. I need to communicate and update people on a regular cadence. And so they're starting to use video now and think of video in a series as opposed to what, Tom, you described earlier, which is the way most associations do it. Oh, I need a testimonial video. Let's mm -hmm. go do one. I need a promo video. Let's go do one. Could you imagine if we said that? I need an article let's just go make one article at a time instead of a magazine. It doesn't make any sense. And yet that's what we do uh, with video. And the reason we did it is because of what I said earlier, IT owns the web and someone else owns content, someone else owns sponsorship, and there's no money for digital if it's not organized. So our series uh, really the, what you're pushing for associations to great series. So it's not unlike uh almost like a podcast where you're drawing people in, but to come back again and again and again. Absolutely. You're, you're, it, it forces the association to think about what is the content that will answer the why that needs to be dripped out on a regular basis, just in video or video and audio or video, audio and article format that will allow our association to remain relevant for these members. And how do so we go is, deep? The, action, and the way you go the deep is with a series, in, in, in several episodes on one topic, as opposed right. to this kind of trite TikTok clip. Right. 
Okay, by by one influencer out there in the space. Yeah. I was going to say, Dan, so what is the action step the docu-series are generally driving? Because you know, you, you, if you answer the why, then it's like, okay, I'm interested. What are they, what are they, is it driving them to a career site or, or a, a website or what's the action step? One of our uh, um, clients um, who's really leaned into this is the Society of Mining, Metallurgy and Exploration, SME. And they are actually, their CEO and I are doing a webinar coming up with UST um, in a couple of weeks, I think it's the 19th of October and, um, on this very topic, but they looked at it and went, we need to, he says, everyone in the mining industry, we all speak, we all know what's going on. And so, although there's going to be some really good insights for some of our members are what the average person thinks of mining is wrong. And we need to use content like this to influence young people to think that, A, I don't have to live in the middle of Nevada to get a job in mining. There are mining jobs in downtown Chicago. There are actually underground mines in Chicago. I didn't know about that either. And as far as meeting the needs of purpose, you know, you can't even do a blood transfusion if it wasn't for mining. You wouldn't have an iPhone if it wasn't for mining. You couldn't drive a car if it wasn't for mining, especially a, a battery-driven uh, car like a Tesla. And so all of a sudden, how do we how do we create these models? And what they've done is they've gone out and created relationships. Our our platform allows you to syndicate content. So some of the schools are actually going to have the series playing inside the school. So how do you get closer to that future customer? Put technology on the website of where they spend time and push the content out beyond your normal scope. And that's where technology allows you to do these things. It allows you to say, hey, I can have a partner, i.e. a school or a sponsor or a whatever, who's actually helping me with my mission to get the word out and to right. help educate and, and bring young people in to go, you know what? I could get a really well-paying job without having to live in the middle of Nevada and have a purpose. Yep. So what? why are you seeing, in all the customers you touch, what is, the, what is the why that they're not taking the steps to get more engaged in the pattern of digital, whether it's learning and inspiring or educating? What what do you think is the reason the why they're not? Well, I, I, I think it's, I mean, number one, you we all, everyone's busy and everyone's running in, in just about every profession. We're all kind of understaffed in a way. Um, and so you got to pick your spots. But I think the biggest reason is, is that most people haven't figured out how to create a funding mechanism, which is where we come in and help them create a funding model so they can afford to have really good content. The Jobs of Tomorrow series makes them $90,000 of profit. Right. So it doesn't cost them any money. They may, It actually generates money. And so how do you create, just like the magazine did, Right. how do you create a model where I can educate my members and it's self-funded. And when you start thinking that way, it changes the way you're going. That, Dave, as you mentioned, it brings you into the series mindset because you can't monetize one video at a time, nor could you monetize one article at a time in a magazine. And so it forces you to plan, which comes back to, well, what are we going to produce? Well, what do our members need? And, and you go through the exercise of delivering on your why. And, be, and creating rich content that is appropriate for my membership, whether it be accredited, continued ed, or just micro-learning. 
Tom, are we ready for the um, the wrap up? Yeah, let me make one more comment on that. So, so when I started thinking through, because we started this back in 2009, I knew when I came to MTI in 2005 that we needed to be ahead of the game on social media and video and engagement. And in 2009, we began to do video like crazy. And what I want, what I figured out is what I wanted to do was put my, because a lot of people listening to this are thinking, how do I use this to recruit more members and use video to do that in, in some respect? And so what I wanted to do was give a tool to my members that they could literally email to a colleague that's not a member that's about two and a half to three minutes long and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm emailing this to you. I want you to watch this and I'm going to call you in five minutes. Easiest recruitment idea ever because now the member doesn't have to get all nervous about what they're going to say and it might not be on message because they use it for different reasons than other people do now they got a a three-minute tool they can email somebody that has a centralized powerful message that touches on all the engagement points and then they can call them and say why wouldn't you join you know and if the video is done right it, it does away it answers all the objections they could ever want to have and then you start talking about it well you know i, I think i would want to join you know so that for me that is like you said, having a purpose for the video and having a why. And that was one of the simple ones that, that how we got into video is I wanted to have a tool that members could easily use to recruit, to have a conversation with other non-members. And, and unless you need to wrap, Dave, can I just comment no, on that? No, we can go all day long. So, so Dave and I belong to the Entrepreneurs Organization and they did something very similar, Tom. And you know what I used to say to them? So if I'm a prospect, I get video, but then I'd be joined and I get text. And so we all know that the toughest, toughest job is from the date they join until the end of year two or three. Right. So how do we take that same approach, which worked really, really well in your example for recruitment and apply it to the first two to three years so we keep them engaged and we get them into those volunteer positions and we get them into those engagement positions. And that's where we, we stop. So using it for recruitment is awesome, but if they're just going to leave in one year because we didn't engage them through that other process, this is what young people expect. They do not expect to read. As a matter of fact, one of our associations that we're rolling out a model with, their student association said to them, if you email me, I will quit. How do you communicate with them? Right? And it's like text, right? Video. But like, and so- How do you send the video- well, it's, it's just that's an interesting way. But if yeah, the video I, is right, you, you don't so, want an email from us unsubscribe. That'd be my answer. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to quit. Just unsubscribe or tell us you don't want to. That's brutal. That's that's rough. Those are people I don't want to deal with. I hear you. But that end of the extreme demonstrates that there's a lot of noise and people are tired of being bombarded. And what cuts through the clutter? Video right. cuts through the clutter. Let me tell you this. AARP. Anybody here under 50? I don't think so. So <laughs> I, I, when I turned here it comes. 50, I can already tell it, here it comes. When I, when I turned 50, I got a letter from AARP, not an email, a letter from AARP. And there was a pretty cool tote bag that they were promoting along with membership for $12.99. I'm not talking $1,299. I'm talking $12.99 for membership. Uh, a month or year? Per year. And I was like, I mean, that tote bag's awesome. Turns out it wasn't so awesome. But needless to say, I joined. And then 
I kept getting all these magazines, and this goes back to member needs, right? Get all these magazines of grandpa on the front throwing a grandchild up in the air. By the way, I don't feel like grandpa A, B, I don't have grandchildren. I do not feel old, but they kept bombarding me with content, not over email, which I don't really get, but they're sending me stuff in the mail every day. I got more stuff with them. Finally, I had to call them. I said, number one, take me completely off your mailing list. And number two, cancel my membership. I'm out. Like, I do not identify with your people. And so having said that, now I'm kind of that person that says, don't email me. But I would argue they are not a good member of that organization if they don't want to receive communications. Like, I don't want to receive communications from AARP. They are not touching me in the way that I want to be communicated with. They are not touching me with relevant information to me at my stage in life. But somewhere they figured out that over 50 makes sense, but what they haven't done is segregate their audience into Now everybody's grandpa. grandpa. Right, everybody's grandpa and or grandma. And, and as opposed to not. looking and going, hey, you know what, I've got, different segments within I, one of my clients is in the scrap and recycling industry well if i'm a paper recycler i don't want to hear about metal recycling i don't care about it right i just want to hear the paper stuff and if i'm in metal i don't want to hear the paper stuff segregate me know who i am and and use technology to filter so that i get what i need but i don't get the noise i don't need you know what brad pitt's over 50. How come he's not on the cover of AARP, huh? Right. Uh, I identify more with Brad Pitt than I do with Grandpa throwing the baby up in the air. Dave, That's you not should have, what this podcast Brad is about. Pitt's at the Gap and Idea parties. You should have thrown your picture in there, Dave. Maybe they would. <laughs> All right, Tom. Uh, Dan, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know, at the end of the podcast, we always have this, this routine and we'll go through and t Tom and I will go first to give you a chance to think. Um, but at this point, we, we tell you some of the key takeaways we got. And yours might be a takeaway, a realization, or maybe a point you want to emphasize. Uh, tell me you want to go first or you want me to? I can go first. Okay. So my big takeaway in listening to this whole thing, because a lot of associations struggle with just step one, my, my takeaway is you have to make the list of the ways you can potentially use video to save costs or draw engagement and revenue. And a lot of people say, Tom, well, we only have a staff of three or four. Well, let me let me help you understand something in this few moments. So we're a staff of four with a budget of about 1.2 to 1.5 million, depending on the year. And so we have videos all over our website. We do a monthly web live webcast, so one time at least, sometimes twice. We have promo videos for every uh, event that we do. We have highlight videos for every event that after they're done because people we want to give people FOMO. As Dan and I talked earlier, you want people to understand what they're missing out on because if they're missing out, then they're not leading in the industry. They're behind running backwards. So we have video for everything. And so um, I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to just really get with your team and say, how can we get moving? Um, we have, we just came back from our annual, our biannual trade show and conference. We videotaped all 35 sessions and they're going to be turned into learning opportunities on our online academy. Uh, we have video. Video is an integral part of everything we do. So people don't read letters. They will watch a two to three minute video with a cup of coffee and see what's shaking and what's going on in the association. But like Dan said, you can't start at recruitment and end there. You got to start at recruitment and live with engagement the entire way home and keep them past those first one to two years. So that's my big takeaway, Dave, is just to start small and start building momentum using video to leverage and scale that communication. So I have two. 
which I know is breaking the rules, but I'm a rule breaker, man. Until it's my rule, then I want everybody to follow it. Anyway, that, so my point is, so I got- I can speak in personal involvement with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the first one is pretty simple. Dan, I really loved the way you broke down, you, you differentiated what an LMS is versus the uh, area that you represent at Worker B. And the area that you represent is essentially video and it's broken down to inform, educate, and um, inspire. I, I thought that was really cool. Whereas LMSs are really focused on the middle piece of that, which is one component of the whole strategy. But if you only focus on content for your LMS, you're missing out on the inform and the inspire. I thought that was really cool. Second piece is, uh, while I do not believe video is the end all, I do believe it's a really, based on this conversation, I do believe it's a great place to start. Because, like Tom said, because from video, and again, this is a realization from this conversation, from video splinters all these other great forms of content, whether it's text, whether it's uh, or, or, or transcript, or whether it's a, a little pieces of video, or whether it's uh, blog posts or articles or, or, or something for the publication or whatever. So uh, those are my two takeaways, inform, educate, inspire. And then how video can, is a great place to start because it splinters into so many things. Dan, yeah. what do you got? Inspiration, uh, something well, you want to emphasize? First, first of all, I didn't realize doing a podcast with you guys would be so much fun. So that's that's my big takeaway. So thank you. should you try that. having a beer with us sometime. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. Try, we should try having a beer on our podcast. With us. <laughs> oh, we should have a happy hour series, Tom. We don't, I'm in. <laughs> All right, Dan, thank you. Well, I think, uh, you know, what I, I hopefully tried to highlight is that um, is that the, the principles of a magazine that works so well for so long could be applied to digital so you can create a funding model to compete. Because what happens is when you move from offline being the way you engage members to online being the way you engage members, your competitors changed and you got some big ones. You got Facebook, you got LinkedIn that says right in their bylaws, we're coming after associations, right? With LinkedIn learning and everything else. And you got all these big, massive competitors who are way, way more frictionless than you are with your website at engaging members. And so how do you compete? And you, and you got to figure it out because doing nothing is not a strategy. Yeah, there's hope. Something we didn't get into, and I'm, I'm a little anxious to bring this up because I'm afraid we're going to start a brand new episode here. But we talk about how you compete with, you know, the Facebooks and the, the TikToks and the YouTubes. And you know, I, I still stand by the, the, I mean, the reason you and I belong to EO, Dan, Entrepreneurs Organization, is because there are people. It's our identity. It's what we identify as. Right. The reason I belong to ASAE is the same thing. I don't get anything out of ASA, really. What I what I get out of it is, a, is my membership. I'm a part of the club, and I'm a part of the club with EO because it's who I am. That, to me, is what an association is all about. Now, all of the benefits are gravy. Now, I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I think associations tend to focus way too much on the benefits and not enough 
on the community. I'm not talking technology community. I'm talking about the emotional community of that membership. Any thoughts? That probably, that, I don't, again, I don't want to start a whole podcast, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Do you guys agree or disagree or where, where's your head at when I say that? I, I think it depends on, on your association. Uh, there's no doubt that in some organizations that is very, very big. And EO is an example, but because EO allows you, to, it, it creates a structure where our members come together and we learn from each other as opposed to learning from the association. Yeah, to, that's right. to some To some degree, ASAE is that way, other than from a CAE standpoint. Uh, but there are others where the reason I join is because I need that learning. I need that continued ed. I need that other information. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have that collegial hmm. feeling that 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 wanting to belong. Absolutely, because emotion is what we are. We're emotional animals. But but it's 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 like a spectrum. And I think you have to look across that spectrum and go back to if I'm busy and I can only do three things well, what are those three things that are going to maximize the engagement and the why and the delivering on the why? And figuring that out and different and using that to, to say, I'll be the best in the world at it because everyone else is going to be a fringe competitor. I've got to be the best at the world at a few rather than average at a bunch. Well, yeah, there's another podcast episode for us is talking about really drilling down into the niche versus doing too many things. I, I can speak for EO, um, for example, and Carrie Santos, the the CEO of, of EO, is coming on our podcast pretty soon. And um, uh, but I think that's one of their problems is they do too many things, and instead of a few things, world class. Yeah, I tell the story, Dave, how I got an, a mailing one time that said 150 reasons why to join the association. After the first three, I threw it away because it didn't re it wasn't relevant, you know. But I I, I agree with you. That's a great question, David, because I think many associations today are spending so much time to do one thing, justify why you should pay dues, which means they try and give as much benefit. But what they're not doing is connecting the features to the biggest pain points, which is why their members want to join. Members want you to solve their biggest problems so they can be successful in their industry. And associations aren't focused so much on enough on the pain points so they understand what are the top three things, as Dan said, that if we, if we could do three things better than anybody in the world that would impact 98% of the industry, what would those three things be? And that's I what I said. I, I love that, 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 uh, that, that approach, Tom. What, what could we do? What are the three things we can do better than anyone else in the world? It's great. All right. Dan Stevens, thanks so much for being a thanks, part of Dan. this. Dave, Thank good you to guys. see you, my friend. See you next time. And you know what it is. It's Association Strong Time, my friend. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.